and welcome to the third episode of Fan Theories. I'm your host, Emily Kelly, joined as ever by partner in all things, Peter Kuhn. Hello, hello. How is everybody today? They can't hear you, you know? Well, they can hear me. They just can't respond to me, I suppose. Yes. Correct. Okay. Carry on. <laughs> so today we're really excited about this episode because we get to talk about one of our favoriteest, favoriteest, favoriteest things in the entire galaxy. Nay, the entire Expanded Universe, Mass Effect. Oh, I'm so excited. It is my favoriteest for sure. <laughs> Mine too. We are really excited to do this podcast, mostly just because we love Mass Effect so much, but also because a new Mass Effect game is coming out. Andromeda's about to drop. Tomorrow, if you're listening to this right on time on Monday when this is dropping, tomorrow, or at least midnight tonight, we will be getting our hands on Andromeda. Oh, yeah. So exciting. We've already pre-ordered. We are very much looking forward to playing. I mean, as soon as the music swells and then you know you're in a Mass Effect game, I mean, that's, I mean, the goosebumps hit. I am so excited. So excited. So we have a lot of fun and interesting theories uh, from the fan universe. We're going to go ahead and get started talking with uh, some of the main ones. Go ahead, sweetie pie. Well, I first wanted to talk about, just to give the listeners a little background, because it's actually you who got me into Mass Effect in the first place. This is true. So how did you get into the series originally? Well, yeah, well, uh, I played Dragon Age first, I believe. Um, and then I heard about this wonderful, amazing sci-fi game. And I learned it was by the same people who did the Dragon Age game, which is Bioware. And... As soon as I got it, became just enthralled. The universe just gobbled me up, and I I loved it. I loved every single bit of the story, the music, uh, the controls. Got better with the um, with the, the number two and number three. From I'm gonna admit the controls from Mass Effect One maybe weren't the best, but they got better. Um, but man, it just blew my mind. Blew my mind. Mm -hmm. So so which of the three? trilogy games which is your favorite i would have to say number two uh for the time I, I think it really changed my perception of what a game could be uh it's not just a, a story that you follow along it's something that you can change and something that is uh created by you as you play it, it was really nice to to get that very kind of like a relief to mm -hmm. to feel that yeah and i mean just like you, funnily enough, from you, I played Dragon Age first and loved it. And they're obviously quite different, Dragon Age 1 to Mass Effect 1. But Yeah, you um, didn't like Mass Effect when I you played it the first time. Because I'm not really good at shooters. And so, and even though it's a third-person shooter, I was just like, it was just not the type of game that I usually played. I'm not very accurate with aiming and that kind of stuff. But I just, watching you play, I really wanted to go in the world and explore and meet these characters and like be a part of this. So it just, you know, you kick it down to casual and you practice. And now, I mean, if, if I had not played mass effect, there was no way I would have ever gotten into games like fallout um, or other first person RPG shooters. Sure. Right. So I'm so, I mean, I, it's such a great game. Mass effect two is definitely my, I mean, if not the best one of the best games of all time. It's definitely one of my favorite games of all time, if yeah. not the favorite. Yeah, I, I, I would have to agree. It, I mean, being able to develop that relationship with your characters, with the, with the crew, um, and then having that impact later on in the game, um, defending the universe. I mean, there are so many epic moments. Uh, it, it, was, it, it felt like a movie that you get to influence. It was 
like I said, just so much fun. Do you have a favorite character across the three games? Tali. I'd have to say Tali Vos, uh, well, That's, Normandy, yeah. when she takes, you know, when she's on our ship. Um, yeah, Tali Vos, Vos Normandy is probably my favorite character. She's so great. I love in Mass Effect 3 where we, spoilers, if you haven't played Mass Effect 3, sorry, but you've had like five years. Um, <laughs> when we take back the Corian homeworld for her and she can release her mask for the first time. Oh my God, just so, yeah, so and like an long, impact. Definitely. And for longtime Mass Effect fans, if you've played through, you know, number one, Mass Effect one, Mass Effect two, um, and then, you know, after what was it? It was like maybe three years for three and a half years of having this uh, character be behind a mask the entire time. And you always wonder, like, man, is she pretty under there? No, nah, I bet she's nasty. I bet she looks so gross. All Koreans, I bet they look so gross. But no, they don't. They take off the mask and they look gorgeous. They're beautiful, almost uh, ethereal even. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, it was neat, very refreshing. Like like many fangirls, my, my favorite character is Garrus. Or I like to call him Gare Bear. Gare Bear. Gare Bear. Um, just because, one, the voice is just, I mean, how how can you not? And two, he's just like, romance or nah, he was one of the coolest, just smoothest, like, badass characters in the whole game. Like, just sniping people and wisecracking, and he was so great. He, and and c- calculations, don't forget. Oh, and the calibrations, all or, the calibrations. Sorry, calibrations. He had to calibrate a lot. Like, I don't, I didn't even know a space gun needed that much calibration. Oh, his gun do. <laughs> it does. All right. So now we can get to some. Now of the let's get into the theories. All right. So the first and our main topic today, I want to talk about it's a theory that comes from the original trilogy. And so like many of you listening, probably if you played through Mass Effect 3, you were maybe, kind of, you know, I don't know, like maybe a little disappointed with how it all ended because kind of one of the greatest aspects of these games was that your choices mattered and had an impact even like game to game they had an impact right so at the end of mass effect 3 just for a sum up of you know a little refresher you are posed with three choices on how to defeat a, or succumb or whatever to the reaper invasion that has has happened in our galaxy and so you're given three choices you make your choice but ultimately none of the choices you made leading up to that matter because almost everyone either dies you die the galaxy is wiped out that it was sort it was a big letdown yeah i remember playing (laughs) the first uh, mass effect game and after i beat it maybe two or three times already i went to the internet to see what other options were available. You know, I usually chose the Paragon side. So could I maybe do something really cool with Renegade? Um, for the Mass Effect 1, that isn't the case. But for Mass Effect 2, uh, and I think for Mass Effect 3, you can do some really cool options in the in the Renegade that aren't available if you're Paragon. Anyway, getting to the end of Mass Effect 1 uh, and having to, are you going to kill the council or are you going to save the council? And having all of these um, options open to you I thought it was it really was going to have a lasting effect, you know, from Mass Effect One. Yeah, because you defend it, the council. Yeah, because if you defend the council and then Mass Effect through Mass Effect Two, they're very grateful to you that you saved them, or as a as an opposed, you killed them and you have elevated humanity. But then alien races don't don't like you as much. They think you are self serving. Right. So that's why when you're going into Mass Effect Three, you're like, oh great, the end. You know, it's like a not great boss battle with the elusive man, and then you have these three basically 
impossible choices of that nothing you did leading up to that matters. And in the end, like it didn't really matter what, right. what, what choice you made at the end because it, they were all terrible choices. So, but, and of course, Bioware, I just want to say as a game designer, it's hard. You never know what kind of reaction people will get and super kudos to them that they listened and tried to make it right that they put out some epilogue that which was great which was great and it kind of made you feel about and then the the citadel dlc which is really great which is a really true goodbye to your companions some of them you've you've had for three games so good job bioware so but almost immediately after mass effect 3 came out the mass effect forums exploded with this theory and it's probably the biggest theory in the mass effect universe and this is the indoctrination theory so the indoctrination theory is really a labor of love from from thousands upon thousands of fans it's 812 pages on the forum so that think about how many comments that is really so the theory is and and you of course printed them all out and read i did i read every single comment that's why i'm not reading off a list of names because there's just so many yeah we do our due diligence here yes we do so whoever originally came up with the indoctrination theory good job but this was also from from months of people talking back and forth and formulating this all together so that's really cool too of of the fan base really came together to make this theory seem legit and it really does so let me break it down for you a little bit as i've mentioned the reapers were like an unbeatable force like we're losing the war things were terrible And Bioware kind of wrote themselves into a bit of a hole of like, okay, how do we get out of this and still get to make games like games that happen in the Mass Effect universe? So, and that it makes sort of sense in the world. So the theory is that essentially Shepard was indoctrinated for basically the entirety of Mass Effect 3. And so the the some of the evidence that the fans pointed to was that we'd already seen sort of a human quote unquote reaper that we know that humans are pretty easily susceptible to indoctrination and that they can be controlled without knowing they're being controlled. Uh, if you played the Arrival DLC that came out with Mass Effect Two, which is a great DLC by the way, it's 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 harrowing. Um, we see that Shepard touches some Reaper artifacts and basically is there when the Reapers come through from dark space into our solar system. And so (laughs) that's, I mean, it makes some sense. And there's some other evidence like the, the child that we keep seeing in Mass Effect three that nobody else like sees or pays attention to or like is sad that it dies in that shuttle crash sure right um yeah i like to think that that child is perhaps Shepard's subconscious uh fighting against the indoctrination if if we're going with the indoctrination theory which i love i think that's a i think that works really well yeah because the other we did see the child like that it's the the avatar of the catalyst later at the end of mass effect 3 so as a, as a reminder, the catalyst was the Citadel, that we had to drive the Citadel, basically, to go with all of that big contraption machine that, that, we the, that, the, that we were making to fight the Reapers. And so this Avatar Vancouver child, I like to call him Vancouver child, 
gives you three choices, essentially, at the end of Mass Effect 3. So your choices were you could either choose to side with the Reapers. And so if you follow the indoctrination theory, that would be Shepard is fully giving into the indoctrination and just kind of allowing the genocide of an entire galaxy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bad choice. Yeah, not um, the best choice. The, not- the, the whole scene feels a lot to me like, uh, Neo, when he's talking mm. to, I think it's the architect in this uh, scenario, um, and he's saying, "Well, so are you going to go back to the code, and you know, we get to reset the cycle, which would be giving into the Reapers mm-hmm. full indoctrination, or are you going to like ha 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 fight and you know try and defend you the pitiful human race, ha mm-hmm. ha ha ha, mm-hmm. and then that's what you do, and that yeah. and you end up winning, and you know, fuck you, everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah. So then your second choice would be a uh, synthesis. So the Reapers would just indoctrinate everyone and that Shepard would just sort of allow for that because they are also indoctrinated and they're like, this is fine. I feel great. Everyone should feel like this. Like, okay, great. Not, also not a great choice. Not a great choice. Not a great choice. And then your final choice is to destroy the Reapers, but then you also destroy all of the mass relays and that would be Shepard freeing themselves from the indoctrination. So what really caught my eye about the indoctrination theory, aside from the fact that it's very well thought out, is when I played through the game the second time and I chose to destroy the Reapers, I don't remember what I chose the first time. I think I chose it both times and I just went back and, and did a few more tweaks. You choose to destroy the Reapers, and if you sit there through the credits, because all the the choices, you die. They tell you that you will have to die for all these choices to, to happen. So you, you're sitting there, you're crying at the end of Mass Effect 3, like, how do how did this happen? And then at the end of the credits, you see Shepard's face, like, from the, like, nose down, and they, <gasps> like, wake up, like, that they're not dead of that that's the waking up of not being indoctrinated anymore. And so the theory, if you, if you want to really go down the rabbit hole of was any of it real Mm -hmm. of if Shepard was indoctrinated indoctrinated, maybe she or he was just on a planet somewhere after touching these Reaper artifacts and just saw what the Reapers wanted them to see. And after throwing off indoctrination, realizing that none of it happened could be what do you think yeah i mean it'd be really uh interesting if at the very moment that uh shepherd in mass effect one pushes uh your teammate i don't remember i think it's gonna be caden or ashley uh, out of the way um and then you get hit by this prothean artifact oh in the first one and the very first one it'd be interesting if even that was linked to the reapers because we know Mm -hmm. that there is some sort of link between the awakening of these artifacts and then the coming of the Reapers. It's every 50,000 years. And that's when we sort of, you know, we we were discovering these things. Mm -hmm. So it'd be interesting if that was the point when the seed was planted, because even Saren, you know, he gets, you know, mind melted. Yeah. I thought of that too, actually of, of, I mean, could Shepard have been indoctrinated the entire series Mm -hmm. like and then but so the the real double-edged sword of this indoctrination theory is this if shepherd was indoctrinated the whole time and basically or even just just the last game 
the choices that you made still didn't fucking matter. Very true. You know, so it's kind of like a and hard. And you still die. Yeah, and you still die. But this is the hope of going into Mass Effect Andromeda of that hopefully that they've learned their lesson of if you want to give us choices, they they have to matter through a series. Um, but it also, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit more about Mass Effect Andromeda in, in a minute, but ultimately it doesn't matter because whether this theory is true or not, because by the time Andromeda happens, they won't even know. Yeah, I mean, the the, the spaceship, the Ark takes, what, 7,000 years or yeah, something? Six, 600 years, All right, six, 600 years, even so. Yeah. Nobody's going to be alive. Yeah. All the all the decisions we made does not don't make a difference. So. Yeah. So it's sort of sad. But, yeah. okay, this was a good theory. <laughs> I'm, gl- good theory. I'm glad that I discovered it. So, listeners, please tweet at us what you think about this indoctrination theory. I'm really curious, especially super fans like us. Um, whether or not you believe this theory, what you think about the theory, what you think maybe happened if you don't believe in this theory. Meanwhile, we will move on to one of my favorite segments, chaos theory. <laughs> so for new listeners and old as well, these are theories that have either already been proven, um, you know, usually they're formulated really early, like before we have a lot of information, or they're just nonsense theories, which are also kind of fun, but ultimately please stop because they are nonsense. (laughs) So the first one we want to talk about is that Andromeda takes place concurrently with the original trilogy. I mean, it's part of the same universe, but but I mean, time wise, well, that we, we know for a fact that that's pretty much not the case. Yeah. I mean, yes and no. So the, if you go to their Andromeda website, it's very fun. You get to pretend that you are also in the Mass Effect uh, or the Andromeda initiative. It's very fun. So they lay out their timeline pretty uh, boldly, blatantly. Uh, the ship leaves in 2185, which is two years after the events of Mass Effect 1 and just after the conclusion of Mass Effect 2. So the arc and all of its people, beings, have already left before the Reapers uh, get here, or right. just before the Reapers get here. Right. So, if um, you know anything about space, and you know anything about faster than light travel, um, the Andromeda Galaxy is what, 2.5 million light years away? It's a long ways away. It's a long ways away. So that's why even with the blast relays and the, which... We're going to talk about a little bit later, too, of are there mass relays in the Andromeda galaxy? Well, if there was mass relays connecting the two galaxies, obviously they would have just taken the arc through the... Yes. Right. But, but be- we'll get to it. Because they they probably didn't. That's why it still took like 700 years for them to travel 2.5 million uh, light years. Light years. So that's why we were saying even, <laughs> even after Mass Effect 3, the people on the arc would have no way of knowing what happened to the people that they left behind yeah presumably there are they're also in cryostasis Mm -hmm. you know until they get to andromeda Mm -hmm. so yeah so by the time Mm -hmm. they even get there the series itself is long long over and if you know most of the choices pretty bad so it could be that you chose to have the reapers kill everyone so 600 years Everyone that they know are already dead anyway, because it's 600 years. Unless you're an Asari, I suppose, or a mm-hmm. Krogan, you live a lot good longer. Point. Very good point. So that theory, 
is true, but also not so true. Right. Right. So next, we're going to talk about something I think is pretty bold. This is a pretty bold statement out there. I think it's pretty dumb. It's but. pretty... Okay, that, that's a nicer <laughs> way of saying it. Uh, is or are the writer... Um, is the writer family connected to Shepard? For example, are the writer twins or is the father of the writer twins Shepard's child? I think that's a bold claim to make. You would have to have some evidence to back that up. Is there any out there? Did no, you find? no. Yeah, it's actually no. really a really silly theory. Yeah. So, I mean, no offense, but the, and this, again, this was probably one that very early in the, announcing of andromeda they're like oh man what if the twins are shepherd's kid and it's you know it's it's also one of those like you gotta let it go <laughs> sometimes you just gotta let a series go okay mm-hmm. so we know now that the writer twins boy and a girl are the the children of alex writer who's it, alex writer <laughs> let me tell you all about it please do if you read the books or if you've read some of the comics um or just wiki it you'll know that alex writer was actually one of the original crew members that went with john grissom's ship through the mass relay and launched the first contact war and he was like basically like one of the original space explorers when we finally made it out into space to get to to the mass relay on on mars so we we encountered the turians on that first contact yes yes so but that happened the first contact war was like shepherd was not even born or would have been a child Mm -hmm. so no unless like shepherd knew alex Ryder and you played only as the girl and then she somehow got pregnant in between saving the galaxy. Well, what if what if uh, Guy Shepard and Alex Ryder were a couple and then maybe adopted or something? Or, but, hey, it's also the future. Maybe they did some weird cloning thing. <laughs> some, like, genetics. Yeah. Some real genetic manipulation. Yeah. That's true. That's I, a good I think point. I've gone down this route before. I'm really I know. fascinated with... <laughs> with um, male adoption. I guess so. Yeah. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> so, I'm sorry to say that this... This theory is is pretty busted. busted. I mean, unless it ends up like that Shepard and Alex Ryder were distant cousins or something like Ryder was Don't be lame. Shepard's uncle or something, you know, no, sorry. Just mo- we're moving on in the series and, and you guys should too. Sorry. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> this is another quite interesting theory um, that has to do with Andromeda. So they've been pretty scarce on the detail, unless you, you watch a lot of the gameplay trailers that they've been putting out. We haven't because we want to, you know, enjoy the, the series organically. Um, but they have revealed a couple of the new races that we will encounter in Andromeda. So, um, we'll, we're familiar with the ones that we've encountered in the Milky Way, human, obviously Turian, mm-hmm. which is what Garrus was, Salarian, Morn Solis, Krogan, mm-hmm. Grunt and Rex, always yeah. fun, always always up for a party. Yeah. Asari, Asari, beautiful, blue. Um, kind of hard to miss their, yeah. Kind of hard to miss the tentacles. And their booties. Yeah, oh, and the booties. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And Quarians. the there's Quarians, and there's a few other, Hanar, Drell, um, Volus, B- the Batarian, the Geth. You know, there's a few others. So there's going to be some crew members on the Ark that are, of those races because it's not just humans trying to find a new new home world it's it's 
people from the Milky, Ga Milky Way galaxy. Mm -hmm. So one of the races that was revealed that we'll encounter in Andromeda is called the Remnant. Yeah, we've seen a lot of talk about the Remnant. I think the biggest uh, theory out there is that the Remnants are Protheans. Which, again, I mean, it's just sort of, that would be really cool. That would be cool. It's sort of a cool reveal if they were like some some survived yeah. by fleeing to the andromeda system just as we are doing yes so and i mean the protheans were an advanced race they couldn't defeat the reapers but that that's okay neither could that's we okay. really um sorry protheans so the Protheans, though, had, I think, a better understanding of what the Citadel was and what the Mass Relays were. Um, they didn't build them. That was the Reapers. But they 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 had them for a long, a, much longer than we did. So perhaps, yeah, that they used the Citadel uh, dormant relay to escape out into dark space where the Reapers kind of hide out for a little bit and then traversed to the Andromeda Galaxy if we did see, if you played with Javik, the Prothean um, was he remnant. A, was he a DLC? Was Javik DLC? I think he was a DLC. Okay. Which is, seems really silly because he's like kind of important right. to the whole. I maybe agree. it was like a free DLC. I'm not sure. Mm. But we did see that they have they had pretty advanced cryo even then, 50,000 years from ours. So maybe they stashed a couple or a bunch on a ship. For, for a rainy day. For a rainy day. A couple, just stashed them. Yeah, stashed a couple Protheans yeah. away. So the only kind of caveat to all this is that the in the wiki, the remnants are listed as a synthetic race, kind of much like the Geth. Mm -hmm. So what do you think, I mean, what do you think could have happened to them that maybe now they're just, they're computers or yeah, robots? Yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating topic of discussion that, it's going to be all revealed, you know, and and just uh, well, one day if you're listening uh, when this airs. But I like to think that maybe there's something left over from a previous race that had to uh, abandon their homeworld or leave the system, much like the Quarian have the Geth. Um, they created the Geth, and then once the Geth became smart enough, they. Uh, overtook the Quarian and the Quarian had to leave their homeworld. So it might be interesting to see if the remnant or something like that. Um, they may also be something like the keepers on the Citadel. Mm -hmm. So the keepers were something, uh, they were once completely organic from my understanding. And then the reapers got, you know, they brain, they mind fucked them and <laughs> they became theirs and then they did their bidding. And so maybe this is something similar where they could be controlled by the reapers who are, chilling in dark space or maybe they were left over from a reaper invasion mm -hmm. um but yeah something happened and these are the remnants so yeah it's just a cool it sounds like a really cool name it does you yes. know like and i think i mean maybe if they are the protheans <clears throat> in the cryo maybe something went wrong and they were kind of you know, um, they had to be upgraded. Yeah. Like they had to be upgraded of like, maybe they just weren't, they weren't meant to live this long, but they still needed to, to fight or they still needed to find out what happened. And they kind of started to modify themselves. I will survive. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> so we will see. I am very curious about them. Um, they are one of three new races that we know about. Yeah, the other two. Let's talk about them since we're on the topic of new races. There's okay. also the Ket 
and the Angara. I like the Angara. Let's talk about the Angara first. Right. They're so, big. They're kind of intimidating. Yeah, they're like bluey purple, I think. Yeah, I think they're going to have a, a variety of different colors. Kind of like the Asari can be blue to like a light violet almost mm-hmm, color. Mm-hmm. Probably the same sort of shading, I would imagine. Yeah. We haven't seen too much of them. I think we just caught a really small glimpse in some of the trailers. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially they're, they're in the wiki. The wiki is quite good, but not super reliable. So don't take everything that we say based on the wiki as fact that they are a peaceful people. Um, much like, I mean, if sorry has, has war, we all have war. So, but they're sort of like a diplomatic race, what they appear to be. And we also get to have one as, uh, our companion. Mm-hmm. So we'll definitely learn more about them and their, their species and their culture, um, via our companion. Yeah. And I, I also heard recently, and I don't know if you heard this yet, mm-hmm. Emily, but the Angara sort of wear their emotions on their sleeve. Oh, that's cute. So if they're very happy or very excited, they might, you know, be extra jovial. They might, you know, like push you in the chest, like, ha ha, isn't that great? But on the same token, if they're really angry, you know, maybe they'll hit you. If they're oh. really sad, maybe they're going to break down in tears or they need a hug or something. Oh my goodness. So be very aware of the emotions of the Angara. Um, and I think that'll help you in your relationship with them. Cool. Yeah. The other race is the Ket, which we have seen much more of in the trailers. They are the kind of dudes that wear their bones on the outside of the faces. Yeah, I think they're the bad guys. Yeah, they're, like, they're definitely being positioned as like the big bad guy yeah guys yeah they are gonna be the jaws and then i have a feeling of the of the story you know the, of this video game they're gonna be jaws the antagonist but then i have a feeling there's gonna be a bigger jaws <laughs> and we're gonna have to work with the cat bigger jaws for this common enemy which is bigger jaws I guess we shall see. Yeah. That's a I'm, good analogy. I don't want to like hate on the cat just yet. You know, <laughs> bones on the outside. That's kind of a cool thing. Kind of a cool thing. Kind of a cool thing. So the only other things we really know about them is that they are an extremely hostile group, at least towards us, um, the the Pathfinders, that their leader is called the Archon, which we see him. He's kind of the, he has the one with the ring sort of around his head, like a collar almost. But that is really it. About it. Um, the only other thing that we know is that they want to rule the Andromeda galaxy, or at least the Meridian system, I believe. Right. The Meridian. And then we show up and we're like, hey, buddy, same. Yeah. So, and I get it. You know, we are essentially. We're in, the aliens. We're the aliens. Guys, isn't that crazy? We're going to be the I aliens know. invading another system. Yeah. So no wonder they're kind of mad at us. Like if they came to our our solar system, we'd be like, F you, get out. Yeah. So that's the topic of every other space film yes. ever. Of F you, get out. This F is you, our get home. Out. Right. So speaking of which, humans are not the only ones on the arc, but, um, you know, that's us, the main characters. We see three human companions at least. Um, I just kind of have to assume that the ARC uh, leadership is made up of at least partly humans, if not all humans. Um, And humans, you know, I love them. I love us. But we are not super great when it comes to dealing with stuff we don't understand. Or sharing. Or sharing. Yeah. I mean, every other sci-fi movie, it's if we find something we don't like or don't understand, we're like, let's murder it. Can we shoot it? Yeah. Can we sh- can we blow it up? Right. Like, so do you think 
that we, particularly humans, but uh, again, I mean, the Asari, the Turians, they're not unwarlike people. They have still caused wars and, and genocides. Do you think we are a threat to the Andromeda galaxy? Absolutely. I mean, we already basically ruined our own galaxy right. by allowing the Reapers to come in or, you know, at least alerting them to our presence or succumbing to them. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. I think that, I mean, even on our own planet, we are quite a threat to our own planet, you know? So, uh, yeah, I think I want to root for us, but at the same time, I don't want us to go to the Andromeda system, uh, sorry, the Andromeda galaxy, and just start, you know, putting up oil refineries and, you know, just... <laughs> Taking, taking, taking without any regard to, you know, what we're doing to that system and how we're treating the other life. I mean, I want, I want to have happy space monkeys. <laughs> I want to have happy space hamsters. Yay. Yeah. Steve I, the space hamster. We always, yes. We always name our space hamster, hamster Steve. That's from Mass Effect 2. If you, if you, you can go to the Citadel and get a space hamster. Yeah. And, and just so you guys know, that's why it's my favorite game. Yeah. Because of, of the space, that's why when we pre-ordered, I got the deluxe edition specifically because it comes with the space monkey. Yeah, and I, I mean for the game too, but space monkey. Right. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't actually come to our door, and we get the actual. No, space I wish that oh, I misread did. that. that would, oh, I did too. Yeah. Dang it! All I right. wish. Anyways, that'd be so cute. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so we. I'm we're a threat. We are a threat, definitely, and I think it's kind of one of those like we need a home. Like we are so far from our original homes, not just humans, Turians, Krogans. And if we don't get, if we don't find planets that are suitable to us, our civilizations will die. Well, we can do the flotilla like the Quarians did, but then that's why they're in the, the masks and stuff is because yeah. they didn't have a home where their immune systems could, exactly. could bolster and, and strengthen. Yeah. And so, I mean, the, the arc will sustain us, I'm sure, for some time, but it's not a permanent solution. So it's kind of one of those, you want us to win, but you don't want it to be at the cost of, of some some other species. I mean, at least I hope so. If, if you play these games and you're really mean about it, like, I mean, I guess, but yeah. I I am interested to see, it's a good, that's one of my favorite things about Star Trek is that it's really about understanding other cultures and being, um, you know, empathetic to them and fair. And so I think a lot of humanity, we haven't been super fair to the people whose land that we've come across uh, and there, I've already been there and we're just coming there. So it'll, it'll definitely be. And, but I think Bioware has always treated these kinds of things quite delicately. Absolutely. And, and they're really good at writing characters and situations that are very inclusive and especially with their romances. Mm -hmm. Except for Ashley. Ashley, space racism. She's a xenophobe. She is. So I hope that we can, as humans, we have evolved in the 600 years we were in cryo and that we can at least share a planet or, you know, find one that is that is fully our own. Man, I think I killed Ashley every single time. I think I did, too. Except for the first time. She was my love interest the first time. Before I knew. For, about the space racism. Oh, man, Ashley. <laughs> so. All right. Well, th this was good. This was all good. Do we have any more? We do. We have a couple more. Okay, let's let's wrap these up. Okay, so okay. got two more theories I want to talk about. Just because it's, it's just my curiosity of, like, logistics the first one is logistics only mm -hmm. of are there mass relays in the Andromeda galaxy? Right. And it, that's hard to say. I mean, unless they, the mass effect relays operate only within the galaxy, 
then I can see that working. So then only within the Andromeda galaxy, you can use those relays. But the Andromeda relays are not compatible with the Milky Way galaxy relays. Right. Right. So if that's the case, I totally buy it. Yeah. I think it'll be cool for us to uh, be able to move around the Andromeda galaxy uh, via the relays because then we get to see more. Um, if it's just like we're in one system, let's explore this system and then jump to the next system and explore this system. I mean, that seemed a little tedious. Mm-hmm. I like the the idea of being able to jump between systems like we had in the first three games in the right. trilogy. And I think, I mean, it's more of a bigger question because it was the Reapers who originally <clears throat> built the mass relays. So were the Reapers only exclusive to the Milky Way galaxy? That's where we've only seen them or heard them them speak about species in that galaxy. But they are a pretty advanced robotic um, armada. Perhaps they had also explored other galaxies and, and wiped out other galaxies. So the other thing. Yes. We did see in one of the trailers, now that I'm thinking about it, around the arc, there was this kind of circular spherical thing and we were man-made device yeah definitely and so we as part of the ship and so we were kind of curious what that might have been i said maybe it was a power source or a faster than light travel device yeah so maybe that is the solution to having no mass relays is that the arc is equipped with a faster faster than light sort of booster of that we can still see a lot of galaxies are very big if if you don't know they're they're quite vast areas of space um it would be really really hard to get around without something you know what if it takes years to get from system to system hundreds of years to get from system to system if you explore a system and there's no planet there you have to wait another hundred years to go to another system and look for a viable planet right kind of like interstellar interstellar yeah they only had so many options to pick um they only could go to so many places before time was going to run out yeah i feel like i'm already sensing sort of the desperation of this game like mm-hmm. i think that even more than than the a reaper like force that desperation of oh my god what if we don't find something wouldn't it be awful if during the course of the game if you take too long then start of a uh, part of your cryogenic population starts to die off oh my God. like you don't get enough power for the arc and so half your population dies what is this fable Jeez. oh don't yeah fable oh three where we fable had to three kill. where they just effed you yeah. like oh my god let's, not, let's okay. not even go there right let's now. not even talk about that so the last year i want to talk about is and we kind of touched on it a little bit when we talked about indoctrination and the reapers is this fifty thousand year cycle theory and so this was I'm not sure if it was first perpetuated by them or at least just kind of put out there by a Redditor called Peter Gott. Not you. No, it's not, not, not you. me, but maybe he got me. Maybe he got you. So the theory is that every 50,000 years, the Reapers would come through the Citadel and wipe out the races of the Milky Way. We, they, they, I mean, they talk about it. Yeah. They say it. Yeah. The timeline is correct that the, the Protheans were wiped out 50,000 years ago. We're not sure what the civilization was before them, but... Because uh, Shepard was able to delay them in the first game and then ultimately to, if you made the correct choice in my mind, MS Effect 3, to destroy them, the cycle is broken now. And that's kind of a, I mean... That's the upside to to defeating or winning all three games. You know, going through all of them is like, yeah, I did it. I'm dead. And, you know, society is now in sort of disarray because we can't communicate or, you know, <laughs> travel to each other. 
but I did it. Yeah. I mean, and it, it's one of those theories too, of you just kind of have to bank, like was every single Reaper ever in the Milky Way galaxy at the same time? And they're now they're all destroyed. I mean, the smart bet, and they're pretty smart, is like leave some dudes behind for another day, you know? This of, is true. So the cycle at least is broken in that it's not every 50,000 years on the dot. But then again, it might not have been anyway because um, Javik tells us that the Reapers and the Protheans fought for like 400 years. Mm -hmm. So maybe the cycle was already broken and this theory may be also busted. I just, it was sort of an interesting thing of that, that the cycles um, of the universe is a, an interesting topic Absolutely. of that. And especially on our planet, you know, we, we know we all learned about the dinosaurs, the mass extinction of dinosaurs, the mass extinction before that, and that there is maybe a mass extinction incoming of that the cycles of our planet and our universe are sort of synced up. Indeed. Well, this was great. This was fun. There's so I, many theories. I feel like we talked a lot about a lot of dark things. We did, unfortunately. <laughs> but I mean, hey, that's the reality of it. And while you're playing, it's it's a lot of fun. You get to shoot bad guys in the face and stuff. True. But uh, yeah, these are serious issues. And that's the best thing I think about Bioware is that they really get to the root of our hopes and desires and our fears through these games. Mm -hmm. And you can play it in a safe environment and you can shoot people in the face at the same time. <laughs> and you can romance totally fuckable aliens. <laughs> Oh, we didn't do enough of the... Um, of the um, Cards Against Humanity cards. Yes. We didn't. No, we did not. All right, you, you oh. start the outro. Well, if you liked this podcast, please keep listening. We're going to keep doing it. Um, you can find us, as always, on the There Network. That's T-H-E-R-E. -E. Yes. Along with a ton of other amazing podcasts, Wednesday and Westeros, the Todd and Taylor Show, Back to the 80s, a lot of great podcasts. So make sure you should, you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and also SoundCloud. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at that Emily Kelly, and I'm at Screenwriter. We didn't talk a lot about a, a, we didn't talk about every single Mass Effect fan theory. So if you have some favorites that we've missed, or if you have some comments on the ones that we covered please at us. We love to hear from you guys. As well as if you have some ideas for our next show, we're always looking for great ideas from the fans and the listeners. Could be Wonder Woman. It could be from the Marvel Universe. It could be... More video games. More video games. Any of those. We love to talk about it all. We like the sounds of our own voices. We do, obviously. And just a reminder, Mass Effect will be out March 21st, 2017. That is tomorrow, if you're listening right on Monday. It's available for PS4, Xbox One, and PC. We'll be getting ours on PC. We will. Yeah. Thank you guys again for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed it. And as always, we will see you guys in the next one. Okay, love you. Bye. Bye.